Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Alex Younglet and Joe McCall here for Real Estate Investing Mastery dot com podcast we are ready to go with another great interview um, and basically uh, we've we've got somebody that's done tons and tons of deals done with loss mitigation all that fun stuff so this is going to be a great one yeah if uh, hey Joe yeah there you are hey <laughs> you were you were hiding <laughs> no 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 how you doing Alex good man good how are you real good you had a little baby. I did a very small, tiny. No, she's uh, she was seven pounds, twelve ounces. So really, um, wow, really, uh, really good size actually. For my my wife only gained eighteen pounds with her. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But uh, yeah, it worked out worked out really really well. Everything's great. She's actually sleeping pretty decently, you know. So it's not too bad. My obviously. Um, not to give too much information, but I can't feed the baby if you know what I'm saying. Okay, so. I got you. <laughs> I got you. So yeah. you're, you're sleeping through the night then? Um, I am sort of kind of sleeping through the night. My wife is uh, handling most of that, and I can kind of sleep like a rock. So with okay. the exception of a little bit of a, you know, iPhone light on to, you know, see where things are, you know, it's not that it's not that bad at night, so... How I'm are not your sleep deprived? How are your two boys doing? They're doing really, really well. My uh, three-year-old really loves the baby, um, whose name is Ella Grace, by the way. Cool. And um, she uh, and the and the other one doesn't really know, so he kind of like, you know, baby's eyes, baby's mouth, and wants to touch them and yeah. all that stuff. So we, you know, that we he's almost two, so we gotta keep, you know, have him keep his distance and all that good stuff, but. Other than that, I mean, things are things are great. I closed on um, a uh, deal yesterday. I think uh, the check I brought home was like forty-four thousand dollars or something. Wow. Yeah, and I closed on one before that, which was like another check for like forty-some thousand, and then I did <laughs> another wholesale deal um, or two wholesale deals. We closed on those totaled out to like thirty thousand dollars. So. You know, deals are going, deals are flying, and then I bought two more houses uh, this week. So things are good. Good for you, man. That's awesome to hear. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. How about you? Well, we're closing on a deal this week. Got two next week that are just wholesaling lease option flips. Lease option deals, yeah. Uh, we did. Do, I'm doing a traditional wholesaling flip this week, and we'll make three grand on it. It's not a big deal. Hey, it's a deal is a deal. I, I, I get excited, actually, when I can make a little bit of money from thin air. You know, it's great. Well, yeah, and it is. And this is a deal that we actually um, – I was just going to pass on it because it's in an area where homes are selling to investors for five, ten grand. And um, we were able to get the seller down to three. We found a buyer <laughs> for six, you know. <laughs> Sweet. So, well, see, that's the thing. Like, um, you got to kind of have to picture. And, and it's always funny how money, 
um, like a two thousand or three thousand dollar assignment fee looks so big on Facebook. People are you know posting you know hundred dollar bills or ten dollar bills or twenty dollar bills, and you see them spread out all over the place. You're like, wow, that's a lot of money, and you yeah. you almost turned up your nose at that. Yeah, yeah, and it's easy to think. Well, it's those are base hits, you know, and you're yeah, gonna get those that's big what keeps home, you going. Right, you're gonna get those big home runs every once in a while. But um, you notice in baseball, the guys who get all the home runs also have a ton of strikeouts. That's and, right. And usually their batting average is not that great. What's most important is getting on base. And um, so anyway, I've I'm, I'm been excited. Um, I'm actually leaving for Prague um, in six days, five or six <laughs> days. That's crazy. We just moved into a new house this last weekend. It's an awesome house. They got a new office in a finished lower level walkout basement that's real private and separated from the rest of the house and ah so now you don't need an office out of the house you're going to kind of just use that and right yeah i mean it's it's a big house really big house five bedrooms possibly six if you count one of them but um it's got a it's on a nice cul-de-sac big backyard we really love it here and um we just moved this awesome. last weekend and we uh we're leaving for Prague um monday uh, in a few days and um really excited about that i'm going to be having i have a blog that i'm going to be updating every day at remotepropertyflipping.com and you'll be hearing Sweet. more information about that if you haven't already heard about it but i'm just going to be uh, i'm going to be chronicling my i'm going to be um, wholesaling properties in a new market and i'll be announcing that and i'm going to be kind of just showing everybody what i'm doing and how i'm doing it and the kind of marketing that i'm going to be focusing on and uh, I'm I'm super excited about it, and uh, it'll be good, real good. Hey, but let, awesome. let's tell hey, people about Yeah, we forgot to tell people about realestateinvestingmastery.com and how they can get all this free, awesome stuff. Yeah, I, I think it would be a good idea if they – those of you who have been listening for a while, you've heard us say it about 100 times, but there's a lot of people here who are new. It's the first time you've been on or you don't know what we're talking about. But this Fast Cash Survival Kit um, – in our humble and correct opinion, is the best free bonus out there in the podcast world for real estate investing. And uh, we just basically spill the beans and tell you guys how we wholesale properties, how Alex wholesales a lot of properties that have a lot of equity and how I wholesale properties that don't have any equity and how we use virtual assistants and how we do our marketing Um it's pretty straightforward and laid out and easy to understand. It's not that difficult of a business, is it, Alex? Absolutely not. I mean, it's it's a matter of finding and securing good deals. And when you can find and secure really good deals, you can really write your own ticket. Um, I'm telling you, the market is hot, hot, hot right now. I mean, it's it's crazy. In my market, a deal went, uh, an REO went on the market for seventy four nine, and the same day it got bid up to $120,000. Wow. So investors are looking for properties right now. You have to thank the big wigs that are coming through and doing all these big seminars because they're, they're, they're rooting out what I would, well, not rooting out, but they're uh, bringing to life what I call the, um, you know, I don't. I guess I don't want to use that word. Uh, all the newbies <laughs> that really want to get into the business, right? Yeah. Um, and they're all popping up. I guess I could say it. Cabbage heads. They're all new cabbage heads that are <laughs> popping up all over the place, and they're wanting to get into the business. And they will. 
actually spend a lot of money on properties, maybe more than they should because they want to rehab and be like a big flipper and think they're making all this money and they're going to spend more to do it. So all you have to do is get a property and it will sell. If it, you know, if yeah. it's somewhat of a decent deal, you'll sell it. And if well, you have that ability to, to do that, you could then keep it or I mean wholesale it for a little money or rehab it and go big on it. It's up to you. You create your own destiny. There's there a ton of investors are starting to come back into the market and I posted something on the uh, wholesaling houses full time Facebook page. There's an article in the New York Times. That's a great group, by the way. Yeah. Go to Facebook and go look up Alex's wholesaling houses full time group and join it because it's the biggest, most active most spam-free uh, real estate investing forum on Facebook. It's really, really good, and uh, it's free. Anybody can join it and get in, and it's excellent. Don't be a spammer, though. I'll get you. I'll yeah. get you. <laughs> but anyway, I posted an article in there from the New York Times, and uh, our guest on this show probably knows this company. They're called Waypoint Real Estate Group out of California, and they're featured in this article. They're buying tons of properties and their plan, their goal is to buy ten to 15,000 properties in California by, I saw that. by yes. the end of the year. Wow. And that's just one of many companies. There are people coming back into the market, uh, not just California, but in Phoenix and Vegas and Florida and even in the Midwest and the East and West Coast. All over, investors are starting to come back into the market and buying homes. And there's no better time than now to start wholesaling and selling properties to these buyers. And the other thing is most of these buyers, these big companies, they're just buying properties on the courthouse steps or on auctions or on the MLS. I can promise you these, a lot of these big companies, they're not doing the marketing that no. you, you and I could be doing. And we can still get the same kinds of deals that they're getting at the courthouse step. And so there's a ton of money coming back in the market. It's easier than ever to sell properties. I'm excited about this. It's time. a great time right now. It really, yeah. really is. It really is. If you're in, if you want to look for, look up this article, go to the New York Times website and do a search for investors are looking to buy homes by the thousands. The article, again, it's called investors are looking to buy homes by the thousands. If you look that up in, in Google and look up the New York Times, you'll see it there. One more thing and we'll get to our guest today. I wanted to read, we have a couple reviews. Sweet. Um, uh, just one, actually, I'm going to read from, and I can't pronounce the name, L. Hulsley. Um, he or she says, thanks for being honest. You got a five-star review. We appreciate that. He or she says, Joe and Alex <laughs> Joe and Alex offer an honest approach to real estate investing without the gimmicks and hard sales pitch. So many other podcasts and websites want something from you other than your email address. The information they provide is invaluable, and even if you are a seasoned real estate investor, you can learn something from them and their high-quality guests they have on their show. Great job, guys. Keep it up. We appreciate it. And please keep on leaving us reviews. We are almost at the 100 review marks, and I want to I see if we can get over 100 reviews. We'd sure appreciate that, and we appreciate sure. all the reviews. And, but go to our website, realestateinvestingmastery.com realestateinvestingmastery.com and you can see the fast cash survival kit that we have on there but um, do you want to introduce Lindsay Alex sure on our podcast today we have a deal flipping ninja at by the name of Lindsay Kinch how's that for an introduction 
That's great. And, and Lindsay, you're not mad at us, are you, for for uh, take making you wait so long? Why would I be mad at two fellas like you? <laughs> well, we we found Lindsay on our Facebook wholesaling houses full time page. Is that right, Alex? Yeah, I think uh, I was friends with her on Facebook way, way back when, when I first started, you know, groups and stuff like that. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've definitely seen her in the group, and um, I think I've Heck seen yeah. some videos and stuff like that. So, yes. Heck yeah, sure. I'm all over that page all That's the it. time. And I freaking love that group. It's my favorite group of all Facebook. In fact, it's kind of like a chat room. <laughs> it's, it's live. <laughs> it's real time. There's got to be a post every minute in that group, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> I've amazing. actually had people fly to California and, and friends that I've made on that group. And we talk wow. on the phone all the time. And they're in Cali, so we meet up and have lunch, you know? Wow, good for you. That's wow. Awesome. We, well, you know, yeah. we, put a, we put a post on Facebook because by episode 25 or something, we had realized that we had only been interviewing men. We'd never interviewed any women. So we put the word out there. Someone suggested we get in touch with Lindsay, and she was gracious enough to uh, let us uh, interview her for this podcast and just let you know, guys, watch out. I mean, these girls are out there kicking butt and taking names, and um, Lindsay is really doing some awesome things. And uh, I'm excited to see that because, I don't know, for some reason you don't see very many women in the real estate investing business. But um, why do you think that is, Lindsay? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, no, I don't mind at all. It's just a a male-saturated industry, Yeah. (laughs) which, uh, you know, it it could be a good or a bad thing for me. But I know I um, I used to have to have a little bit more clout, especially in my younger 20s, um, doing this industry just to kind of, you know, be on the same par with all you guys. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Um, Do you feel like... You've you've made some progress, or do you feel like women have made progress? Oh, absolutely. Business? Good. Absolutely, they're kind of rare, you know. When I when I go somewhere and I run into ladies, it's always a nice surprise and it's an instant connection. Yeah, I bet. So, well, we've uh, we've since interviewed Wendy Patton. Um, now we've interviewed. Uh, well, we interviewed a lady named Kathy Kennebrook, who does a lot of real estate investing in Florida and has some really awesome stuff on marketing. And if you haven't seen her stuff or been to her website, you should check it out. I've been going through her marketing material, and it's phenomenal. And now we're interviewing Lindsay, so thanks so much, Lindsay, for being on the podcast. We appreciate oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So talk a little bit about how you got started in real estate. How old were you when you realized you know, you wanted to start working for yourself and, and uh, not work for a boss? I was 14 years old. Yeah? Yep. I was, uh, do you guys, you guys heard about that 14 year old landlord? Maybe I, that, that I think hit I the saw news. something like that. Yeah, that, I mean, man, I could have had all kinds of popularity back then because that's <laughs> kind of what I was doing for my dad's company. Um, basically, as soon as I got out of school, um, yeah. and I had, I was the only kid in my class with a cell phone, but I would get calls in Spanish. I was the only one in my family that learned Spanish and that was why I kind of got the job as property manager. Really? <laughs> yeah. Cool. I would get calls in the middle of the night. La pipa, la agua. Like 
the pipes burst and you know water was coming through the roof or whatnot but wow <laughs> that's the kind of stuff i would so these were your dad's get. these were your dad's properties yep he had okay. about 35 uh properties and he rehabbed every one of them and i was his right hand girl wow so we were actually all out to dinner one night there was maybe 16 people and this very moment was my game changer when my mom leaned over and whispered to me, your dad just made a $70,000 check. <laughs> and I wow. was like, 17000 And she's like, 70. Wow. And then, you know what? That, that was when I knew where my life was going. <laughs> now, how old were you at the time? I was only 14. Wow. How cool is that? <laughs> it's kind of different, yeah. So you knew you wanted to be a part of that, and so um, what happened then? I mean, what did you well, do with I, the rest of your teenage years? I started uh, cleaning toilets. Um, I would clean. I would do the sales clean right before we would get the places rented out. I would do painting, um, all kinds of that kind of fun stuff, and I would earn about thirty-five dollars a weekend. Wow! Big money. <laughs> <laughs> and if I was working on the accounting side or um, loan processing too, I would get $5 an hour. Wow. Okay. So A lot that, of money there. <laughs> I, I, depending on your perspective, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and where were you living at the time? I was living in Lake Elsinore, California, right in the Inland Empire there in SoCal. Okay. So you've been in California your entire life. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, moved down here to San Diego when uh, I was 18. Nice. I love San Diego. Oh, I get, yeah. I get hearts, I get homesick when I think about it. But that's not why we're here to talk about. All right, so then um, did you go to college? Did you, out of high school, what did you do? Yeah, um... I basically worked the family business until I was 18, and then I moved about an hour and a half down to San Diego and went to Point Loma Nazarene University, um, and I had a brief moment of insanity where I decided I wanted to become a psychologist. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, when you're 18, you think you just graduate college, and there, there you go. But... Um, I knew halfway through I wanted to go back into real estate, but I wanted to finish the program, and I got a degree in counseling, and um, it's actually, let's just say it's helped out with a lot of motivated sellers. Really? Talk about that. Why, why is that? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, just going into somebody's home, and you hear about, I mean, I've heard everything from uh, abuse to bankruptcies, um, to losing their family, divorce, hmm. and they kind of definitely need somebody at that point, and if you're the right counselor for them, they trust you to hold their hand through the whole process. It really does come down to that. I mean, when we deal with motivated sellers, it, you know, it really becomes a counseling session, and if you're there for the people and make them feel important... You know, some of these people just want to feel important, and if you can do that and help them solve their problem, you know, you're you'll you'll get deals over the competition left and right. 
Yeah, and you have to be to a point where you actually care about about them more than the deal. Huh. Yeah, my one of my coaches talks a lot about that. Um, it's it's remembering who's the most important part of this puzzle. It's not you. It's not the house. It's the seller. And if you have that kind of an attitude, you'll actually do more deals because the sellers will pick that up. Absolutely. All right, so um, you started, you went back into the business. What did you, what were you doing at that time then? Uh, when I graduated college, I was about 20, and I, um, I actually got a job in a sweatshop as a telemarketer slash loan officer. Wow. <laughs> in, okay. Yeah. In, in California? Oh, yeah, it was in Miramar, San Diego area. Wow. So we had to be there at 10 a.m., and we had to stay till 9 p.m., and we called, uh, we telemarketed from 5 to 9 every night. What kind of business was that? We were, um, that was the refi boom, so that was, um, wow. that was basically... Oh, we've been examining some documents down at the county building, and I see you have a mortgage with Emeritage. We found them to be a high interest rate lender. <laughs> like real <laughs> evil sounding. I haven't caught you at a bad time, have I? Oh, on. <laughs> negative, <laughs> negative phrasing. There you go. Yeah. But I bet you learned a lot of cool things about talking to people while doing it. Oh, yeah. That. Man, it was a three week full time sales training class. Wow. Where. You you had to graduate from that, or they would kick a lot of people out of that too. It was uh, pretty intense. Was the pay good? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, how, that's fascinating though, because that's a, that's something that a lot of people overlook um, when it comes to marketing. No matter what kind of business you're in, is telemarketing. Uh, they think of it as old school, old fashioned. Um, yeah, with certain laws, it's gotten harder to do. But I, I, I want to bet that you guys were doing a lot of business at the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and to ahead. this day, I still do. I still do telemarketing. Oh yeah, like and cold cold calling or. or I what? don't even think about it as that because, but I, it, it is. <laughs> it is. Okay. I just think I'm calling people up that. Um, you know, they, they live in the area where I want to buy a place and it's like, yeah, I was, you know, I, f I drove by your house and I saw your, uh, information online and I just thought I'd give you a call and see if you or any of your neighbors maybe have ever thought of selling. Cool. That's what, a, <laughs> what a, what a novel concept. <laughs> Picking up yeah. the phone and calling people. Okay, so how um, how are you finding these people to call? Just curious. Um, well, uh, when I was doing that, when I was doing a lot of that, I was handling acquisitions for a uh, multi-million dollar developer here in San Diego, and they had a couple of they had a um, admin assistant who would work on uh, getting the information on people search. PeopleSearch.com, I think it is. Okay. And there's another one. I think it's Zaba Search. So they had a guy driving around that would look at the properties that were run down, and then the admin would pull up the phone numbers, and then I would get that. Nice. Oh, and then I would go door knocking. 
Wow. Yeah. So you've done it. I mean, one of the things I really very want to talk well to you rounded. About, yeah, I mean, you've done it all. It sounds like. But um, one of the things I want to talk to you about is what are your favorite, most productive or efficient ways to find sellers. But uh, I still kind of want to go through before we get into that. Kind of go through your journey to where you're at today. Oh yeah, um, no problem. So, what'd you do after the sweatshop? Uh, from there, I oh man, that's going so far back. What was it? I think I um worked in. I I actually this was probably the best decision of my life. I got on board with a couple temp agencies. And I got into um, working at a commercial real estate company, a few of those, Um, title, escrow, loan processing, uh, credit unions, the headquarters, um, and and banks, actually banks. And, Um, and And what were you doing with them? Oh, I was just doing anything I could. Okay. I just wanted to infiltrate the system. <laughs> is, that, is that why you did it? Yeah. Wow. So you wanted to you wanted to infiltrate the system to learn about kind of who the people are, how the whole foreclosure process works with these yeah. things. <laughs> wow, cool. And but um so what did you learn from that? Oh, I I couldn't even I couldn't even say it, you know, it's just monumental things that pop up you didn't even realize you learned you just were you know observing and then all of a sudden you're overcoming a challenge because of something you learned 10 years ago wow and how what do you mean like how banks operate and and, oh uh, yeah absolutely the best Um, way to approach a bank when you're offering to buy a house or something Oh yeah, who to talk to, who to search for, what certain titles to search for on LinkedIn so that I can stalk big bank managers. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we I just did a webinar with a guy, uh, Jason Lusheski. Um mm-hmm. He has a course called Asset Manager Millions, and he talks about finding asset managers and loan. What do they call them now? Loan workout guys or something like that. Mm. Um, but you can do a search in your area in LinkedIn for these kinds of job titles and find these people and stock them and offer, yeah. and offer to buy their defaulted paper, right? Yeah. One time I actually did that. I found about 25 contacts. The property was going to foreclosure the next day. Um, they said they would not reverse it. So I emailed. Um, this was back when Countrywide existed. Uh-huh. So I found everybody on LinkedIn. I emailed everybody including the president (laughs) of the bank of the bank and I actually didn't hear anything for a few days until I got a direct response by the president's administrative office saying they apologized for my trouble and from then on they were calling me every day and sending me mail for their properties yep and we end up closing that property yeah (laughs) it works linkedin works nice alex have you looked into linkedin at all i messed with it a little bit um but i've uh, earlier on i used to invite a whole bunch of people so i think um at this point i have to have the person's email address to invite them or something like that and 
I don't have their email address. So, yeah, I think it's a safety thing with uh, um, LinkedIn or something like that. Oh, did they, did they busted you? For like a security <laughs> thing, you know? Oh, they well, busted you, right, for spamming There's a to trick. Me. There's a little trick that if you can find the person's first and last name and you know the format of their email there at the company, at the bank, just plug it into that and... Oh, yeah, go. I guess you could try that. I guess you could try that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the bank, was that, yeah. Was that one of the secrets that you said you weren't going to share, Lindsay? I didn't even think about not sharing that one. Oh, good. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's and a freebie. That's <laughs> yeah. Lindsay. I'm also going to tell you guys how to get 100% free bandit signs and how to make hundreds of yellow letters for only $9. Well, all ears. <laughs> nice. Go ahead. Um, but... But I did want to touch on... Uh, I'm, I'm writing that down, by the way. Oh, sure. No problem. Okay. We're, we're going to keep the listeners kind of at the edge of their seat on this one because um, <laughs> we. Uh, I'm going to touch on what happened in 2007 and how I ended up managing 25,000 foreclosures and rehabbing over 300 properties. Oh, yeah. I, I think that'd be kind of important to talk about. Was, yeah, it's pretty cool. So this was now. What what did you do after you infiltrated the banks and they fired you when they found out you were not really working for them? You were working. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always had to keep their best interests at heart, of course. Right. Okay. Um, so but 2006 and 07, I was uh, doing loans for a different company in February 2007. Actually, on the 27th was the day the Dow crashed. Uh, like over 400 points yeah. and back then I was following Yahoo Finance every day and I saw that happen and something clicked in my head to where um, and by the way my coworkers were rejoicing that maybe the rates would go down but something clicked in my head that this was uh, huh. bad this was very bad and this was the time to get a job in foreclosures wow and this was in 2007, is that what you said, or 2006? Yep, February 2007. Yeah, I mean, that, I remember what happened, and then Lee Brothers collapsed shortly after that, is that right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was a pretty dark period in our, in our history. And, I, you know, I remember realtors, the National Association of Realtors, saying, oh, this is a temporary blip. Yeah. Houses will come. It's bound to come down, but it won't be hard. Um, but there were a few, and you were one of them, it sounds like, who really saw the writing on the wall and saw that, you know what, it's going to be a long time before we come out of this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you decided you want to be in foreclosures. You're in California, and there was a lot of them there. What, what was it like at, during this time um, in, the, in real estate and, and in Southern California? Oh, I was like a little conspiracy theorist, yeah. you know, had my own secret theories of what was going on. And I would talk to people about it and they'd be like, you're full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I went ahead and got a job. Um, I just got my foot in the door at a, at the 10th largest subprime lender. Um, you know, I just got whatever job I could in foreclosures and within a month, it just so happened that my supervisor got fired. So I was promoted 
And then the foreclosures popped and I had to hire a whole team and train them and we had to manage anything possibly that could ever happen hmm. uh, to a foreclosure property. Now, this was a subprime lender. Was this um, a primary lender, like a first position lender? or the Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And how long did they stay in business? They actually went out of business a couple years later. Okay. So they're foreclosing on these houses left and right. And, um, mm -hmm. they, they hired you or trained you then to manage these foreclosures at the time? Yeah, I wouldn't say trained because no That's one right. really knew how to do it. Wow. You just had to make it up as you go back then and um, just, you know, find out what the contractors were bidding to do and which, one were, which ones were considered hazards. Um, take care of that. And every morning I would get real excited to walk into the office and find out which property was burned down or which one had a flooded basement or which one had had everything gutted. Um, you know, which one maybe even froze over or has a mold infestation and we'd go ahead and rehab it. Well, who's we? The bank? It's me. <laughs> the bank, yeah. Okay, so yeah. did you did you ever send these deals to other investors? Were there even investors during this time buying houses? Yeah, there was. In fact, I saw I saw one property go for a nickel. What? That had to be an investor. <laughs> Holy cow. So where was this property? That was in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you knew it deep inside your heart. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been my first guess. Yeah. Wow. But, so uh, you you weren't were you trying to wholesale any of these or buy any of these properties yourself? Nope, nope. I was just in that for the experience. Okay. Um and at the same time actually um, the lead of Lost Mitt, of the Lost Mitt department, referred me over to a company that needed somebody to list about 20 short sales a month. So, you know, he, he had me go into the company and I started going there after work and working till 10, 11 at night and just one after the other after the other. Um, helping motivated sellers and having them sign the paperwork so that I can handle their home. So were you, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to the environment, the banks at this time. I mean, when they would foreclose oh, on yeah. a house, were they able to sell these properties on the REO market? Um, what, what was going on at this time? Sure. Um, at that point, they would go ahead and do the, the trash out and the cash for keys, and then they would um, pick a an agent, local agent, to list it and get it liquidated. Um, and back then, I was all into, oh, I can I can get a bulk REO hookup. Hmm. And the REO director took me out to dinner one night, and and he had never done anything like that before, but he was um, he was open to it. So selling properties in bulk to investors. Yeah. Okay. Did that work at the time? Everything um, was just so new at that oh. point. This is 2008. So he had 
never thought of selling it to somebody that would not be a servicer themselves. Hmm. They I mean, did that all the time. I mean, houses, house prices were still falling in 2008. Absolutely. So were there, were there investors still picking up these properties um, to rehab and, and to flip? Or that's, that when it of... was, that's when it was starting to pop back then. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They would, they would love to get them liquidated to investors. They loved it. The banks did. Oh, yeah. And I would have, um, you know, I would have agents calling me up all the time. Can I drop the price on this short sale? You know, can I drop the price? It's like, uh, you know what? You, you don't work for me. You work mm-hmm. for the seller. You can drop the price to whatever you want. And you probably should if that's the question you have on your mind. <laughs> well, um, there were a lot of short sales going on. And a lot of guys listening to this program do a lot of short sales. Um, what was it like in 2007, 2008? I can, I've heard that the banks were just completely getting overwhelmed with investors trying to do short sales there was mass confusion on what would be accepted as a short sale or how to flip these properties. Can you talk a little bit about what was going on back then? Yeah. Um, at the point when I, when I was working in the bank, the bank's short sale process was only, was only two months, if that. So it was very efficient and organized. And then this whole influx of foreclosures just made everybody scramble. Um, so they definitely wanted to liquidate these things as fast as possible. You know, investors were definitely a, a high priority. They, that's a good way to liquidate these things. So that you saw that your bank being willing to negotiate with investors on these short sales? Absolutely. Their, their main priority at that point is to, they're basically worried on if the bank would go under or not, because this was before the bailout. Wow. So everybody at that time was just kind of scheming on how they could secure their department not to get laid off. Wow. And then, of course, they eliminated half the staff each and every month, and then the workloads of these people were just doubled to where nothing would actually ever get done. Wow. So they were, the foreclosures were going up and they were cutting their staff at the same Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. When, um, do you know, do you have any kind of insight in where that industry is at today? I mean, are they still having that problem of being shorthanded? I definitely see that. Yeah. I still work on short sales and in fact just a couple months ago I had one um, and and this is something across the board in banks one department doesn't know what the other department is doing so one hand doesn't know what the other is doing so I had a a short sale where they told me they had postponed the foreclosure and then they continued to negotiate the short sale with me for another full month and then I find out from a supervisor that it actually was sold to a tooth to a third party a month ago. Wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's move on. Um, how long did you, when did you leave this bank and what did you do next? 
Well, um, I left the bank the end of 2008 because uh, it was going under at that point, and it was just before the bailout. But um, at that point, I had I was getting 20 uh, short sell listings a month, so I just went ahead and worked on that full time. It was actually nice. So did you you were doing the short sale as an investor? I was actually doing that as an agent. As a realtor. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. And then how long did you do that? Oh, I still do that. Okay. If 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 I get referrals, I'm not actively seeking out short sale listings. Okay. And so you're working up for yourself. Uh, doing these short sales and, and selling them to investors. Were you trying to do the A to B to C thing or were you yeah. just getting commission? Um, I was getting commission at first and then I discovered Nathan Jurowitz system. Yeah. It popped up on the side of my Gmail and I was a a convert ever since <laughs> into this whole realm. I just so. talked to Nathan a couple days ago. Um, nice. Yeah, he's a good guy. But his course was about um, outsourcing, or it was about short sales, right? And then uh -huh. how to um, pretty much outsource the entire business, if I, yeah. if I remember it correctly. Oh, good. Okay, so does that bring us up to current day? What are you doing, what are you doing now? Yeah, uh, since then, I've been on staff with a few different developers handling their acquisitions as well as wholesaling properties myself. And I've done every kind of marketing pretty much. Um, and I'm also a BPO agent and a certified default advocate. Um, I also did some loan mod consulting for attorneys and stuff. Wow. Um, but at this point, I, I'm actively doing about five deals a month. Actively doing five deals a month. Excellent. Now, is that on your on your own or on the side, or is that with the company you're with? Well, the cool thing is I can go either way. If if I want to, I can wholesale a property to my boss, or I can wholesale it to somebody else if he doesn't want it. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So it's a it's a pretty large company. But they buy about about one property a day. <laughs> They're buying thirty properties a month. I would say twenty to thirty. This isn't but, the company that um, was in the New York Times article, was it? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, well, that's crazy. So you you're responsible then for going out and getting the seller leads yourself. Is that right? Oh yeah, I can do it any way I want. I can. I can purchase from wholesalers myself. Okay. I can purchase from the MLS. I can, I can uh, do bandit signs and yellow letters or telemarketing myself. Um, there's a lot of freedom with the different methods I can use to originate deals. So if you don't mind me asking, are you getting paid a commission if you do a deal or do you just get a certain percent of the deal if you wholesale it to your own, to your own developer? I I do get a I get a um a monthly retainer as okay. well as a commission as well as a flat fee. All right. 
and then you make money on you know whatever you flip on your own wholesaling deals you keep 100% of that yeah nice so t talk a little bit i mean i hope i'm not uh alex feel free to you know interject and ask anything sure you're doing a great job on here listening absorbing learning <laughs> whoa Alex Youngblood is learning for me. This is groundbreaking. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> no problem. The day you stop learning is the day you stop growing. Yeah, don't let it True get to your that. head. Okay, so talk about marketing, Lindsay. What kind of marketing do you like to do these days? Well, um, these days, um, I actually have somebody coming to help me out with um, creating some yellow letters and bandit signs tomorrow. Okay. Um, and other than that, what I'm pretty much doing every day is on the MLS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're, are you, you're researching properties, finding the new listings, uh, making offers? Absolutely. So I use FreedomSoft with all of that. Because it's a, it's a real game changer. Are you using the offer bot thing? Um, is that what you're talking about? Um, I at this point, I have not done an actual offer bot campaign. Okay. Um, but what I have done is imported listings, actually export from the MLS into a CSV file, and then upload that into FreedomSoft. And then, bam, you got like 150 seller leads. And oh. then at that point, you can just go into each one, check out, you know, what the values come in at, uh, what the listing price is, call the agent. Um, and within like five minutes, you can have a contract on each property if you do it by hand. It's like, bam, just email it out, boom. Do you have, you could have FreedomSoft. Um, send the contracts for you, couldn't you? Yeah, that would be the offer bot system, okay. which I have not yet implemented because I kind of like to be a little bit more uh, connected to the agent. All right. Over the phone. What are the, some of the things you talk to an agent, you know, ask an agent when you first find a property you're interested in? Oh, I want to find out. Um, first, I just come off real friendly. I'm not. I'm not too straightforward, yeah. Because um, I'm I'm looking to do business with this agent for a long time, yeah. And and I want them to bring me their properties before they even hit the market. Okay. And they do. Nice. Nice. So, um, just kind of, you know, find out a little bit about the property in their own words. I just let them know, you know, we're interested in it and. We want to rehab the property and either resell it or keep it as a rental. And was there anything on the MLS, or I'm sorry, was there anything about the condition of the property that's not on the MLS? Huh. And that just kind of gets them talking about it. And then I find out if they, you know, have other offers they're considering or what's the scoop there, if they've sent out counters uh, yet, or if the bank has a waiting period before they will make a decision. Okay. And then um and then I kind of say like now now what price can I 
get this started at. Mm. And and they know they know like there there can be a counter and whatnot, but um I just basically want to figure out what's the lowest price that they would allow me to submit to the bank. And do they tell you that sometimes or are they sometimes not? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if they tell you a certain number, would you still ever submit an offer less than that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, you're in California. I mean, it's a, it's a feeding frenzy there right now with investors buying properties. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are some of the ways that you – how do you calculate your offers? Well, I like to see um, if it's a property that's over a couple hundred grand – I like to try and see spread. Check out the and oh, hey, the Lindsay? lowest price. Hey, Lindsay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can one you hear of me? A, yeah, I think Alex. Are you hearing the the latency, the breakup, or is that? Just I heard me? the little roboticness, but maybe she's good now. Well, let's try it again, Lindsay. I'm sorry. Um, tell me again. How do you calculate your offers? Um, I just look at what has sold in the neighborhood, um, and I try and find stuff that's pretty close to the subject property, find out what the difference are between what our place will look like after we rehab it and the comp. So okay. if there's a little bit of a difference, I try and tack that on or take that away from the after-repaired value. Yeah. And just basically try and figure out what's the lowest this place could sell for after it's fixed up. And then I take off, um, you know, if it's over, if it's over, if it's like 300 grand or so, then I'll take off like 100 grand or maybe 90. Um, so I'm basically trying to get a spread of about um, 100 grand or more. If it's... Um if it's a nicer home over 300,000 in that case i'm trying to get as big of a spread as i can possibly get okay are you finding that most of your cash buyers investor buyers are looking to buy and hold for rental purposes or are they trying to flip it seems like um all of them are trying to flip it wow really but um yeah, the the company that I work for full time, he holds half of them. They they hold about half of the acquisitions. Okay. And then they sell the other half to retail buyers after they're fixed up. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, I think it sounds like rehabbing is back. I mean, maybe it, you could argue that it's never been gone, <laughs> but it seems oh, to me. Oh, it's that, there. I've yeah. been doing a lot of them, and as long as you put a good product out there, it's going to sell. you got to separate yourself from 90%. If you are able to separate yourself from 90% of the as-is normal grandma's house or we lived here for seven years and didn't update anything, you know, you're know, you gonna. that's what you do. You put out a nice finished product that looks brand new, and now you only have 10% competition or less, and that's how you win. And ultimately, you do get the top of the market for that. Yeah. Yeah. We're not 
I'm not really having to reduce the prices on the end. Usually you're like, well, you price it 15,000 less than what everything that looks normal out there and then you'll sell it fast. But yeah, you will, but I'm all about trying to get every dollar I can on the back end. So yeah, just uh, let them bid it up. $9. Yeah. Bid it up, bid it up. Lindsay, do you see a lot of that? Uh, people in, in retail buyers bidding properties up in California? Oh, oh yeah. It just depends on the listing agent, but that's how I would sell everything when I listed properties. But okay, so in California, what is not selling these days? Um, there's there's actually a lot of homes that are totally totally just tore up, um, or maybe just overall worn down or needs updating. But they're not priced right in order to do a flip on them. Yeah. So they're, you know, like the Fannie Mae home path and stuff in certain, in a lot of areas, actually, there's just not enough of a spread to where they're realizing like, hello, this is going to take a lot of money to fix this up. And you're going to need to also make money on flipping a property. Hello. So there's a lot of uh, banks there that are not really going with that flow. So okay. that sits. Are are the individual homeowners are are they are they still able to sell their home or are they having to um are they having a difficult time right now? I'm actually I am seeing a lot more conventional sales um because we we enter we inspect 800 properties every month and we go inside these and they're all listed so um as i go through the listings a lot of them are conventional so the comps are good for you know there's a lot of rehabs going on and that's kind of bringing the property owners comfort that they can go ahead and sell their home now. But if they don't have a granite countertop, yeah. it's not really going to move. <laughs> so the homes that are selling are the ones that are being fixed up. Nice. Um, that's good. What kind of properties are investors holding? Do you see for rental purposes? What kind of numbers do they need to see to keep a rental property in California? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of for every 100,000, they want to be making 1,000 a month in rent. Okay. So that's that's good for single family units too. Interesting. Yeah, and that's that's coming from a lot of different people. So if it's a $300,000 house, they're getting 3,000 a month in rent. They're, that's what they want or else they won't buy it. Wow. But here in San Diego, there's actually a ton of properties that are going for even 150000 or less. That will, so rent, those, that will rent for what? Um, the, I actually focus a lot on just the, the real cheap ghetto properties. In fact, um, I think four of them this past month were all little junkers, two bedrooms, 
um, maybe three in the ghetto. Yeah. For one is like eighty six grand, a hundred and six, one oh two grand. You know, just little run of the mill places wow. you can fix up and then rent out for a long time. So that house you could buy today for eighty six thousand. What would you after it's fixed up? What could you rent it for? That one would be. Um, yeah, I think that one would be about eight hundred a month. Okay. So it's not exact as far as that formula I gave you, but it's about there. Okay. Well, it's just kind of it's always fascinated me to learn about the difference in the markets, you know, here in the Midwest versus what's going on on in California on the West Coast. Yeah. And in Florida, every market is completely different and you've got to learn to be an expert in your market or find out who the experts are, right? And find out from them what kind of deals are going to be after. Um Lindsay, before we get into your hundreds yellow letters for nine bucks <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the free bandit signs. What kind of advice would you give to somebody who wants to start wholesaling, but they're in a, they're in a market that's really hot right now, like California, or I've heard things are going really crazy in, in Phoenix. Um, in fact, Sean Terry just told me the other day that um, 60%, 60% of all the homes sold last quarter were cash buyers, sixty percent in Phoenix. Nice. Um, and things are, you know, he's, he, his problem is finding, the deals. Um, there are so many buyers right now looking for properties. Yeah. And he's, and he's bidding on HUDs uh, higher than list price, and then that even is what's going them. on. <laughs> and then he's wholesaling them for higher than what HUD had it listed for. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Lindsay, what would you say to somebody who wants to get started in wholesaling, um, but is in a is in a pretty hot market like California or Phoenix? How do they get their foot in the door and start finding deals? I would actually say, make friends. Hmm. That's about it. Because um, if you if you make friends, they're going to guide you every step of the way. And and I would actually really encourage making one one really good friend slash partner who's going to guide you, just hold your hand with everything. And if you even know just one person who really knows what they're doing, even if they don't know the answer, they can find it within a day. That's just yeah. how it is. Right. Um, so there's a lot of excuses like, oh, I can't assign an REO or I can't wholesale um, – a bank REO contract or a short sale. There's definitely ways to overcome that. There's ways to overcome the 60-day cash deed restriction on all Bank of America products. Um, there's way to to do things without double closing, but I actually prefer doing a double close. Okay. But um, there's ways around everything, so don't let any excuse hold you back. Go for it. This is your life. Mm, that's good. You know. Well, I we and you know Alex and I teach and coach people, and we hear that a lot. And sometimes I find myself making excuses, you know, of why I can't do something. And and I'm looking at a couple different markets right now for my trip to Prague. And 
I, I find nice. myself asking the same kind of questions that I'm getting asked all the time from students. Well, what about competition? Or what about all of these, you know, how can I get a piece of the pie when all of this stuff is going on and there's all these big competitors out there? Um, or how can I even make a dent and find a deal because there's so many investors trying to find the same deal that I'm going after? But um, that, it's you got to get over that. I mean, where there's a will, there's a way it's going to happen. Yeah. You got to find a way to blow through those obstacles and just stop asking the questions. I think my advice to students is to stop asking questions and just get out there and do it. And I like what you said with networking with people. That makes a lot of sense. You can always ask the questions once you have it in a contract. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about that then getting properties under contract somebody who wants to get started in wholesaling um, what are some of your favorite methods or ways to get properties under contract um besides besides networking it's just uh calling up real estate agents okay. seeing what and this is something that people could do on realtor.com yeah yeah absolutely this is something to where and and if you called this realtor, they would be excited to hear from you. Hmm. They would absolutely be very excited to hear from you. Um, and they would handle everything for you. Okay, um, so look for some properties that look like they're distressed REOs or houses that need some work on the MLS. Call the mm -hmm. realtors up and, you know, introduce yourself. Tell them you're an investor. Um probably wouldn't tell them that you're trying to wholesale the deal, right? You just tell them you're you're a investor who wants to either buy and rehab um to to rent or to sell, correct? Yeah, you can just let them know that um you know this this may be a rental, but it seems like what you're doing a lot of right now is reselling the properties, so you're looking for something that needs to be um you know upgraded, fixed up that will improve the value a lot. Mm -hmm. And if you notice, I I didn't say I'm going to be rehabbing it and fixing it up. I just said the property needs to be rehabbed yeah. and fixed up. Yeah, and then you ask them some of the questions you talked about before. Mm -hmm. Try to just ask what's the lowest the bank would accept. Um, okay, so that's that's going after the MLS. That plays a large part of your acquisition strategy, I assume. Mm -hmm. are, are there some, do you like going after the homes that are not on the MLS? Those actually can be, those can be easier. Mm -hmm. um, and I know when I started doing direct mail in 2010, um, man, I would only, I would send out just maybe 50 letters and I would get like 10 calls. And this was before I even knew what a yellow letter was. So, um, you know, things have changed. That's why, that's why you need to make your letter stand out more. Okay. Um, so the yellow letter system that I do is a way to, to get a, a handwritten letter into the, the homeowner's hand to where it's like, wow, this is a real live person, <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is not a crazy company <laughs> that's going to take advantage of me. It's okay. just a person that wants to buy a place on this street. Good. 
when do you um who who are you sending your mail to? Is it absentee owners, pre foreclosures? Actually, pre foreclosures. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like calling those as well, but there is just so very few with actual phone numbers. Okay. That are available on those same lists, so it's like, hey, you might as well just send them a letter if they okay. don't have a number. These sellers, when you find a motivated seller, how often are you actually going to the house and meeting them in person? Hmm. You know, it's uh, any time, any time they want. I'll I'll show up there. It's not a big deal, you know. Just if they, I I don't I don't even care if they say a dumb price. I'm probably going to show up. Okay, so you still go out and meet the sellers as often as you can. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever make offers on properties without seeing the home? Um, no, I kind of go uh, with the David Finkel method. Um, and he actually wrote the first book that got me really stoked on real estate, which is how to buy foreclosures without cash or credit or banks. And oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've met him a few times and went to one of his courses here in San Diego. But he says... Don't throw any kind of price out because the more you actually talk to them about your motivation, the more your price lowers. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So you don't want to spoil the deal too soon. Right. So um, anything else that you send or any kind of other acquisition strategies? Is it mainly the MLS and yellow letters? Um. Am I coming out like all garbly right now? By no, the way? you sound you sound fine on my end. Okay. Yeah, I don't hear any problems. Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so door knocking, and and when you do that, leave a yellow letter too. And a good one to leave is, and I actually discovered this by accident. But hey, I talked to a neighbor, and they said you might be interested in selling. Um, I really love your place. If you, th if you um, are thinking about selling, give me a call. Huh. It's just something like that. <laughs> and, and you're knocking on pre-foreclosure doors? Actually, any doors. Any doors that look like a place I'd want. <laughs> wow. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I was going out every day to a specific neighborhood for for months and every single day, even if it was just three hours. But um yeah, that's a that's a good way to meet some people and you'd be surprised what people will say about their neighbors, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Um let's talk about the uh you you mentioned before we gotta wrap this up here. Um, a hundred yellow letters for nine bucks or something like that. Yeah. Um, what's up with that? You know, there's, um, there's a lot of different services that people use to where it's like maybe even up to like $2 a letter or something. And you, they have people handwrite each line and it's like handwriting the whole letter. Why would you do that when you can just make a color copy Okay. on a yellow pad? So, 
I head on up to Costco and I get the big pack of like, man, I think it's like 15, 14 yellow pads and you can rip off about 20 sheets at a time and put it into your, to your, um, all in one printer thing. And, Uh and then I just take a white piece of paper and write out the letter on top of a lined yellow one. So you could see the lines. Right. Um, so I write that out in red and then you just put it on your glass and hit color copy and make sure the lines line up and bam, you can just run off several hundred of those. Nice. And if you want to personalize it, just take the same pen and in the space you've left on top, write their name or their address or whatever. Yeah. You're good to go. Yeah, you can definitely save a little money probably a lot of money by doing that yourself. Yeah, or having someone, a, ki- a child do it, one of your kids, or, you know. <laughs> I um, I have a friend that I hired to come in here and help out, so that works. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if you tested this, if you probably got more calls from a letter that was written by a kid. You know, you could tell it was a kid handwriting. You'd probably get more calls by that. Um, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. The messier, the better. Okay, so um, what are? Can you just briefly summarize what you put in your yellow letters? I just basically say um, it depends on who it's targeting because I send out to private money lenders and cash buyers and motivated sellers. But for the sellers, I just say, "Hey there, my name's Lindsay Kinch, and I was driving around in your neighborhood because I want to buy a house on that street." Hmm. Um. This is probably a really crazy thing to send you, but um, I really like that place. I'm looking for something I can customize. If you've ever considered selling, go ahead and give me a ring. Nice. And just my name and number. And sometimes I'll put my website on there, but it's a little formal. You'd rather just get them on the phone. So yeah. the, the phone numbers you leave on your marketing, is that to your cell phone? Does that go directly to you? It does go right to my cell phone via Google Voice, so okay. it'll be announced who I'm calling, and it also transcribe a text message on the me- of the voicemail. Nice. Okay. Now, what about the free bandit signs? Oh, man, you guys are going to love this one, because I threw up a little hint about this on Wholesaling Houses full-time group, Yeah. and people were going off the hook on how to get their free bandit signs. People are paying like two bucks a piece, you know. Right, right. And everyone's like, oh, I got a steal. I got them for $1.85. And it's like, oh, shoot, I got mine for free. Uh Uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. All right, so how do you do that? Just go ahead and uh, check online and find yourself some print shops of places that actually make signs. Huh? Yeah. And give them a call and say, hey there, I know you guys uh, make signs and everything there. Um, I wondered if you had any scrap coroplast that you might need it to be picked up for recycling. Um, we're doing, we're recycling it for free with a, a free pickup. So you guys have anything? Nice. Bam. That's it. That's it. <laughs> maybe they will, maybe they won't. <laughs> oh man, if you're even living in a small town, there's got to be at least one place that'll give you more than enough every couple of weeks. Hmm. I've got so, more in my garage right now to make hundreds. 
Do you do bandit signs very often? Yeah, actually. Do you? Yeah, whether it's selling a house, but I don't really need any more cash buyers right now, but um or just, you know, looking looking for a house to buy in the neighborhood. It it works. Yeah. Well, good. Um I love bandit signs. I just rented a house out. I was advertising a house for rent and um found a great tenant right from a uh, bandit sign. It's in a neighborhood though I had to be real careful. I did it on a Saturday morning, picked him up on a Sunday night, and uh I even put in a little I even wrote a little note and taped it to the back of the sign saying, "I will pick this sign up Sunday night." Because I know wow. it's in an area where there's a lot of police Nazis that are out there with their sole mission in life to bust people who put signs out there. Wow. But I did it anyway, and um, for two full weekends, um, nobody ever pulled the signs or anything. And I did. I picked them up on Sunday night, but I found I got a lot of great calls. In fact, I got more calls from the bandit signs than I did from my Craigslist ads. Wow. But, um, you know, I think I think everybody would, I think you would agree that it's pretty much, it's easier to find the buyers than it is the deals sometimes, isn't it? Oh, yeah. The oh, deals yeah. are the key. Buyers are out there. The word is out. You can make money in real estate. You just need the right product to do it. Yeah. And, you know, by the way, um, Pete Scorus from FreedomSoft, we, did, we interviewed him nice. a few months ago. And he gave us a little tip for cash buyer's yellow letter. And um, I posted it on the Facebook page. We sent that out. We had a property under contract, and we sent it out to two or three zip codes from cash buyers that we got from FreedomSoft. I think we only sent out 400 letters, uh, but we got close to um, 30, 30 phone calls, um, which is really fantastic for cash buyers. Wow. And uh, it was great. We just, you know... Um, we got three you know, of those 30 people that called, I think six or seven actually went to go look at the house. Wow. But still with the others, we got their information. We asked them what kind of deals they're looking for, what kind of houses they're interested in. Got some great information, building the relationships, you know. So now we know who to call when we have a property in that area. And we know exactly what they're looking for. We know what kind of bedrooms, how, what kind of condition. We know what's the most they're willing to pay for it, you know. Um, that's really, really, you, you got to, if, if you haven't done that yet, anybody who's listening, um, find out some, some zip codes that you want to target and start sending letters to those cash buyers and find out what they're looking for. It's, that's probably the easiest part of wholesaling. Yeah. And I know a lot of people get stuck on that one, but if you, if you have a property under contract, it's, man. Even if you can't sell it to one of your own buyers, call up a friend who's a wholesaler, and they'll sell it, and they'll give you half the profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done that before as well in my market. Um, cool. Was there anything else, Lindsay, you wanted to um, – I mean, you've given us so many good tidbits. Yeah, that's, that's about all I got for you guys. I spilled my <laughs> guts on on this call. Well, we sure <laughs> – Lindsay, you're doing some pretty amazing things. Congratulations, good for you. Um, Thank you're, you. I know you're an inspiration to a lot of other women that are listening to this, and men. Wow. I, you know, I, I, I meant that both ways. 
<laughs> well, I would love to hear from them if they want to hit me up on my um, blog. It's bigbottomline.com. Okay. Big. It's all about increasing that bottom line. Bigbottomline.com. And then they can also find you in Facebook in the Wholesaling Houses full-time page, right? So they can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You all need can, to join that. They can search for your posts and then make a friend request for you, to you there. But um, that's cool, Lindsay. We'll we'll put the uh, we'll put the website bigbottomline.com in the show notes. And um, anything else, Alex? No, I think we had a great call. Um, it's always good when you can get free marketing materials, and it's always good to get a fresh uh, perspective on things, especially from somebody who's actually been in the inner workings of the beast, so to speak. Oh yeah, yeah. I- one thing I walked away, Lindsay, from this little conversation was the importance of the MLS. And um, it's something that I have not spent as much time as I probably should, but I need to. I think um, I'm passing up a lot of deals. But um, Yeah. Good. And another thing, um, you know, wholesalers who are like, oh, I don't have access to the MLS, don't be afraid to go to your local RIA and there will be realtors there, and they do want to work for you, and they're the ones that are going to hustle as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, you build a relationship with them, and they'll give you access. You could you could be one of their assistants. And, mm-hmm. You know, shoot, just go ahead and get your license. It's not that big of a deal, I think. Um, yeah, it's find, like five hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, do you find having a license hinders you at all in your wholesaling business, Lindsay? That was actually something I had to really think about. And I actually let mine expire for about a about a year, and it didn't hurt me at all. Uh-huh. Um, but then there were still people that wanted me to help them sell or buy a house, so I reactivated it, and it's um it definitely helps. Okay. Um, so it's not it's not going to hurt you. It, it probably helps help you. when you're when you're calling realtors too, doesn't it? Kind of helps get your foot in the door with them. Um. I wouldn't say it's it's necessary to get the foot in the door, but if you say something like, "Hi, this is Lindsay Cullen with United California Properties about your place, you're a listing over there on Main Street." Yeah. That that actually sounds like a real estate agent calling anyways. Okay. So, yeah. Um, they can go either way. Okay. Well, very good. Lindsay, you've been real generous with your time. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. And um, if guys, if you want to connect with Lindsay, uh, feel free to go to bo- uh, bigbottomline.com and go to the F- Wholesaling House's full-time Facebook page and look her up there and send her a friend request. Sounds uh, good. And guys, don't forget, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Get, check out our Fast Cash Survival Kit. We talk a lot about mail and direct mail and yellow letters in there and marketing and all that good stuff. And please... If you've liked this interview with Lindsay, leave us a review in iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Um, So, hey, Lindsay, thanks a lot. We'll see you in Facebook. (laughs) Sounds good, guys. I appreciate your time. You rock. See you in Facebook world. (laughs) All right, Alex. Take care. Have a good one, guys. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.